What a great day to celebrate, right? I mean, this is a, every Sunday is a great, okay, let me back up, Phil, back up. Every day is a great way to celebrate if you are in Christ because it's a great day to have the Lord working in our hearts and working through our hearts and through our ministry of giving our lives to the Lord. And so when we gather like this, it's all about lifting high the name of Jesus. It's all about celebrating him. So every Sunday we gather, it's a culmination of what's been going on in our hearts all week, and I just love doing this with you. But today is a little bit extra special. How many of you got a, a, um, a cupcake this morning? Like f- 10. <laughs> Do you know how many cupcakes they have this morning? 1,400. Okay, so make sure you get a cupcake. You're like, well, what do we have cupcakes for? What's this purple and blue thing going on? Well, here's what's happening, okay? Um, the Lord has blessed our ministries here at First Baptist Church in special ways, but this, this week um, we are celebrating 50 years of existence of Elkhart Christian Academy, which back in the day in 1973 when it started was Elkhart Baptist Christian School. I remember the, some of the cheers for that, E.B., C.S. We are the best. That's exactly right, you know. Not necessarily were we the best, but in our hearts, we were the best. But, and then um, we changed the name to Elkhart Christian Academy um, years later. But we, we're celebrating 50 years of a school. There was, so back in 1973, under the leadership of a young pastor at that time named Dan Gillette um, was here. And Dan Gillette and... Um, a group of leadership in the church felt very led in their hearts by the Lord to partner with parents in the raising of their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they felt like we could do that through a Christian school. We could partner with them not only in educating their children in the education of man, but we could educate alongside of that in the education of our children in the scriptures. And so that they would walk out of our school, um, graduating from our school with a great excellent education, but also would walk out with a great biblical worldview and be able to go out because our mission at the church here is to equip believers to love God, love people, so that we can influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was on their hearts back then in 1973 to start a Christian school to partner with parents to help raise their children with those goals in mind. And it's been going great ever since. And we're celebrating some wonderful um, victories you're gonna hear about in just a little bit about the health of the school right now and how over the 50 years, God has ministered in the lives of our families and the children that we have brought through the system. And now they're out making an impact, a glorious impact for the kingdom. And we're so excited about that. Dan Gillette um, was the pastor at that time and led here for 18 years as the lead pastor of this church through those starting up years of the school. And um, we really were hoping that he could be here. We invited he and Sharon, his wife, um, to be here with us this week, uh, this Sunday, but um, his health is not allowing him to be here. Um, But Phil is here, his son. Phil, where are you? Where did you end up? Okay, Phil Gillette and his wife Carol are here. Phil, would you guys stand up? And they're kind of representing the Gillette family, and um, we're so glad that you are here. We love you. You can go ahead and sit down because I know you don't want to keep standing. But we love you guys, and we love your family. And what I love about your family is the, the way that they have embraced the, the will and plan of the Lord. And um, during the years when Pastor Gillette, your dad, was the pastor here, um, led us in some amazing things and amazing ways to advance the kingdom and the school being one of them. Phil actually, um, he, he's, I'm sorry, Phil, to say this, but Phil was too old to... Um, like be an alumni, so but he actually became a teacher in our school and then um, a, a great coach, a loved, beloved coach, um, and then he served as a principal at our school. Um, I also want to recognize someone very special to my heart um, and to those of you who know her and know the school. Um, Sue Alberts is here, and um, Sue, would you stand? I know you don't want to stand either, but just stand and kind of give us a wave. She's sitting back there. And um, Sue served the school for over 30 years in teaching capacities and principal, and then she actually was our superintendent for six years, and um, the Lord has used her in magnificent ways, and her husband, Steve, if you remember Steve Alberts, and um, he's with the Lord now, but um, great people giving their hearts to the ministry. 
And like I said, Dan Gillette was not able to be here today, but he wanted to give a greeting to you. So we have a video greeting, and then the video continues about some great things that are happening at the school to give you a glimpse of what God is doing through the ministry of Elkhart Christian Academy that used to be Elkhart Baptist Christian School. So turn your attention to the screens for this video. Thank you so much for inviting me to have a little time during this happy occasion. 50 years, can that be? The Lord miraculously provided. There were people who gave their heart and soul, and we were sure that if we were gonna start it, we were gonna start it right and do our best to keep it going. One of the things that's really impacted me here at the school has been our relationship with the church. First Baptist Church is uh, the, the mothership, if you will, and uh, we're, we're a big ministry of First Baptist Church. And just being a part of the church, and I've been involved in leadership both at the church and here at school, but having that connection between a Bible-believing church uh, and this school really, I believe, gives us focus and direction and uh, keeps us on a good course. I think the teachers at ECI have really impacted my life because they show their love that they have to the students and the students can feel that they love Jesus and that makes a great impact on people. We have a theme verse, 1 Corinthians 10:31, that says whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. And with that verse, we get to focus on every choice we make, big or small. We want to make those choices in a way that honors and pleases God. When you first come here, they're concerned about academics and they care about like math and science and all that. But they're really concerned with your walk with Christ and your faith walk. And they're focused for building uh, the kingdom of God and not our own kingdom. My favorite fun activity that we did this year is that you do a wacky day like what I'm doing now and can drive because you spring in cancer for faith mission. Some of the most important memories are time spent with the athletes, uh, particularly just getting out there with the guys and on a daily basis doing life together, talking about everything. Just really uh, having a chance to disciple while uh, doing something that I love. Uh, one of the passages we talk about in uh, secondary math is Galatians 2.20, for I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So we try to implement that in everything we do. As a superintendent, as I think of the impact I've had, the, the beauty of my position is I have an opportunity to serve and lead our entire community. But the best part for me is actually getting a chance to see our leaders serve well. The hope for the future is that we continue to do that for more and more Christian families, but also to do it with excellence. Because we've been able to build off a strong foundation of people that have been servants and leaders and brothers and sisters that have come together to serve this ministry. One of the things I believe is what we do now will inform and will support what happens in the next 50 years. So I pray and I look forward to what ECA has to offer in the next 50 years to our community and to a larger body, to the glory of God. So first of all, thank you for allowing me to be here. I want to introduce myself. Um, I am the current superintendent at Elkhart Christian Academy. My name is John Milford. I want to give a quick caveat. Our students and our staff normally dress differently. That was a spirit week, so please don't judge us by that small clips. So listen to the words, not the dress or the hair. So just a little caveat. Um, I'm really honored by this opportunity. I want to thank Phil and, and really even uh, this congregation for giving me the opportunity to be able to stand in front of you today and talk about the ministry that is not only EBCS but ECA because it really is one and the same. Um, but I want to start a little bit with my experience because I've been blessed to be able to be part of this school um, as a person that attended Elkhart Baptist Christian School from elementary through graduation, class of 99. I don't know if there's anybody here. Um, that's something I've been really excited about. And really, I just want to briefly talk about that experience today because really, I have been blessed, as I said, as a student and current leader. 
This school ultimately does set us up and, and set me up for a foundation of leadership and service, not only to do it, but to understand what it means. And one of the first ways was they, everybody, when I say they, discipled me. And that's from the custodians, that's from the teachers, that's from the coaches. For example, when I was there, not only people like Ron Bouvier, Dwight Peterson, Mark Jones, every conversation pointed back to Christ. Every topic that we covered pointed back to Christ. Even our difficulties and our celebrations pointed back to Christ. And so discipleship has been part of the foundation of the school, but the beauty is it still is, and we know it will continue to be. The other beauty of what we provide Elkhart Baptist Christian School or ECA is really we present an excellent education to our students. One of the things we know is we provide God's word, but we're also providing students that can step out into the world, whether it's in college, whether it's in their career, whether they want to be in missions, they can step in anything and be fully prepared to do what they need to. And so this school provided for me an opportunity not only to go to school, but without that education, I'm not standing in front of you today, and I'm not able to lead and to serve the way I am today. And so the other part that I'm really proud of, the foundation of what we've been able to do at this school, is we truly develop partnerships. What do I mean by that? Even as a student, the school was always looking for ways to connect with our church, connecting with our family, and how we ultimately equip the students to be ready for their next step. We still do that today. And so my experience as a student, it's really encouraging now as superintendent to be able to say, we still build on those foundations. I want to talk briefly about a few things that we're really excited about that our team at ECA has been able to do over the past year and a half that I've been there. And so one of the first things that we're really happy to say is we've been able to renew our mission statement so that we can make sure we have a clear direction of where we're going. One of the things that we, as we say within our renewed mission statement is we partner with Christian families in order to provide excellent Christ-centered education that will equip students to lead and to serve within their communities. And that last part is really important because when we say their communities, we say they can go anywhere and they can lead and serve to the glory of God. And so that's the part we're really excited about because we don't expect students to stay here. If they do, great. But if they go to any part of the world, they're continuing to live out our mission. The other part that we're really excited about is we've been able to develop a five-year strategic plan for our school because what we recognize is we can't just look at currently, but we have to be planning for what the next steps are for our school. So as a team, we've really been working on that five-year plan. How do we address our current challenges and what are the future challenges that our school has? And we're working together to address those. Then the last part is, in case you're not aware, our school has grown by 20% over the past two years. That is a huge blessing from God, and that is, that is yes. That is a blessing from God, and really only God could be able to do that. One of the things we've recognized is that's a blessing, but it's also provided some challenges for us. But the beauty is, between our school and even this, this church, we are working on plans to figure out how do we accommodate and allow us to partner with more Christian families. And that's what's part of the plan that we're looking at when we look at expansion, where I know Phil talked about fairly recently. So those are just some experiences I've had, not only as a student, but also as a superintendent. As we look at this celebration, which is 50 years of the school, one of the things we're also doing is we're looking to make sure that we're celebrating our alumni, but we really want to take it a step further. Today, one of the things we recognize is 50 years of the school, it's not about just a building. It really is about people, and that's alumni, that's staff, and that's administrators. Without those people, without those groups, we don't have a school, and there is nothing that exists without those people and the grace of God. So today, one of the things I want to do is I really want to make sure we focus on the people. So at this time, I'm going to ask if you are an alumni, current or former staff, current or former administrator of EBCS or ECA, please go ahead and stand. Let's give them a hand, please. Please give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand. I know that's... Nope, yep, I'm going to go ahead. Please keep standing. Please keep standing. Um, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to ask them to stand, and I know we're going to ask you to stand a little bit longer, but here's what we're going to ask you to do. Uh, I'm going to ask at this time Gavin uh, Wilkinson, our ECA school board chairman, I really want to ask him for to pray over our group here because, again, this group represents not only current or former and current alumni, staff, and faculty or administrators. So Gavin at this time is going to pray for our group. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning and uh, thank you so much for ECA. Uh, what a blessing and testimony this morning over the last 50 years um, that this ministry has been to our community, to our church, Lord, to our families. Um, I just thank you so much for the people that have dedicated their life to that ministry, Lord. Um, what a great impact they've had for your kingdom, Lord, and without them, none of this would be possible. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. I just ask and pray over our current staff and administration and families, Lord, we just ask for your blessing, for your protection. <clears throat> just ask that you would um, just really watch over them, Lord, and uh, take care of them. Just ask and pray, Lord, for the future of ECA. We just ask and pray that it would be a school that glorifies you in everything that they do, uh, that everything we do, we do with excellence, Lord, and that most importantly, um, we do it all for your glory. We just thank you for everything, Lord, and praisings in your name. Amen. Why don't everybody go ahead and stand together as we continue in worship. We wanna lift our voices in praise and thanks to the Lord for all of his faithfulness in our lives, in our church, in our school, in our homes. He's so faithful, is he not? Let's thank him for that in song.
Okay, I'm going out of order here and everything, but uh, I haven't heard you sing like that in a long time. Um, let's just hear your voices, okay? Just through the chorus, let's just hear, come on, lift it up one more time. If you believe that the Lord is faithful and you've experienced his faithfulness, which all of us have, come on, let's sing it one more time. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Go ahead and have a seat and take your Bibles out and turn to the book of Philippians. So as I'm getting ready to think about what do, we, what do I preach on on this day? Well, I'm going to preach on our series, right? But you know what the last one of our series is in the Beatitudes? I'll tell you. Blessed are the persecuted. And I thought... Not a good day to talk about persecution. I mean, the teachers might feel like blessed are the persecuted, you know, the teachers at ECA. But on a celebration day like this, I thought, you know what, let's go to the book of Philippians, which is a, uh, a book of joy, and, and go there and hear what Paul has to say. Um, you know that the book of Philippians... Um, the, the city of Philippi was a place that Paul and Silas went to as they took the gospel to the ends of the earth. So they were taking the gospel out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and going out and bringing the gospel to people who have never heard before. Philippi, as they crossed the Aegean Sea, Philippi was over in Greece, and it was the first place that they stopped with the gospel, taking it to the world. And so this is a letter, actually, um, it's the book of Philippians, but it's a letter of Paul. After he had been there, after he had shared the gospel, after he had established the church, this is written 10 to 11 years after that, where he writes uh, to them, and this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Great, great um, greeting to the people, a great message in this, um, a great book. The entire book is about the joy of the Lord, but I need to remind you of something, okay? So this is, he's writing this, and he's writing about joy, and he's writing these wonderful, beautiful words to the people that he loves, but I need to remind you that while he's writing this, Paul is actually chained to a Roman guard sitting for a two-year stint in a Roman prison. This is where Paul is when he writes the book of Philippians, and instead of being in despair, how many of you would be in a little bit of despair if you were sitting in a prison chained to a Roman guard? Okay, instead of being like dear Philippian believers, I'm in despair. I am sitting in a prison, and by the way, the prisons were not like they are today. Back then, the prisons were horrible things. I'm chained to a Roman guard. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Please pray for me. Please bring me things. We need, I need you. I need you to help me because I'm so distraught. I am so upset. I am so burdened in my heart because I can't be out sharing the gospel. I'm here in this prison. That's not what Paul does. Instead, Paul writes this to them. And instead of being in despair over his circumstances, he's, he's remembering his loved ones in Philippi. He's thinking about the wonderful things that God did there in that place. And so he's writing out of his mind, out of his heart, that is actually being filled with joy while he's there in the prison because of the remembrance 
of his people. I call it the joy of remembrance. If you want to go to your, your notes, you'll find that there. They call it the joy of remembrance in verse three when he writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. Thinking back of all the wonderful things that God had done in them, in those people that had never heard the gospel before and how they opened up their hearts to receive the gospel. But it's kind of odd because it didn't go so well at the very beginning of Philippi. If you go to the book of Acts, you can read about what actually happened there. They show up on the scene and one of the first things they do, Paul and Silas thinks they're doing a wonderful thing and they actually cast a demon out of a young girl who's going around kind of prophesying of the future quote, unquote, telling people of what's going to happen in their future under the um, possession of a demon. And they recognize that, so they cast the demon out. And they set this girl free from the bondage that she was under. But, what, but the problem was that this little girl was under not only under the bondage of a demon, but people around her took advantage of that. And they, were, they enslaved her. She was actually a slave for these people that were probably thinking of themselves as businessmen because what they were doing is they were going around parading this girl around and charging people to get their fortunes told, to get their futures foretold um, by what was going on here with this demon in this girl. And when Paul and Silas set her free, she actually couldn't prophesy in that way anymore. And in, her, in setting her free from her bondage, which, by the way, the gospel does all the time for us. It sets us free from the bondage of sin and the bondage that this world and Satan has on us. And he set her free, actually, through them in prison. It actually caused bondage in their own lives. But instead of being upset about that, instead of thinking about that, I'm sure, because of the way Paul was, instead of being all like, oh, man, I remember what it was like to get thrown into prison and how unfair that was. I mean, all we were trying to do is help this girl out and we get thrown into prison over it. No, I'm sure that Paul went back in his mind to thinking, man, how cool was it that night that we're sitting in prison, me and Silas, and we decided to start praying and, and singing at midnight. And right at midnight, in the middle of our singing, in the middle of our praying, this miraculous earthquake happened. And the earthquake was so strong that it shook the foundations of the jail. The jail doors flew open wide. All of our chains fell off of our wrists and do you remember, remember, I'm sure in his mind, he's remembering how the jailer came in and is like, what happened? Because all the prisoners are set free now. They're like released, but no one had left and, and, and gone anywhere. And probably they were all freaked out over it. But no one had left, no one had gone. And they, he came in and he was responsible. And all he could say was, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here, here's the wonderful thing about that story. It's not part of what I want to do, but the wonderful thing about that story is that when God shows up and he performs miraculous powers, all people can do is just say, wow. And his response was, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response was this, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your whole household can be saved. And as they spoke the good news of the gospel to the jailer, sure enough, he and his whole entire household were gloriously saved that night and baptized. I'm sure that's what Paul was saying and thinking about when he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I'll bet you he went back in his mind as he was sitting there in prison in Rome, and I think, I bet you he went back in his mind to Lydia, who was the very first person that they spoke to when they arrived in the city of Philippi. And the Bible says that as they spoke to her, God opened her heart to what they were saying and to Paul's message and says that she was gloriously saved and so started the church at Philippi. Great work had happened there where person after person came to salvation and were baptized and the church was growing at Philippi. Will you let me reminisce a little bit about the past? Um, because I have the same fond memories um, that started for me in 1985. Anybody remember that far back? Can you remember that far back? Some of you are like, no, I, I was three. I don't remember that. Um, Amber, you remember. That was the year you were born. And so you can think back of those days. You were a very special kid. Um, 
I'm sorry, I'm having a conversation with my daughter down here, so. 1985, and um, the Lord actually um, brought me and Robin to, we were 23 years old, and brought us to an internship at a church called Bethesda Baptist Church in Brownsburg, Indiana. Brownsburg is like a, a um, what am I trying to say, a bedroom community uh, to Indianapolis, just outside on the west side of Indianapolis. And um, we did an internship there, and we were young, didn't know what we were doing. You want to see a picture? Okay, here it is. Here's a picture, 1985, right there. I'm the guy on the right. I'm the guy on the right, not the guy on the left. If you know anything about Bethesda, and you've been around a long time, on the left there is um, Don Kruger. He was the minister of music at the church. He was my mentor in music ministry. You can take that down now. Um, that, was, uh, that was 1985. I'm so much better looking now than I was then. But um, what was special about that is that we were at this church that was... Um, highly involved in the lives of the people. It was a church that was super excited about people. They were excited about the word of God. They were excited about hearing from the word of God. They were excited about growing in their walk with the Lord. And they were excited about and very involved in the advancement of the gospel in their local town and abroad. And it was my first experience at a church like that that was so gospel-centered and gospel-oriented and God's word-centered in the foundation. But we were out winning people to Jesus all the time, out telling people about Jesus, and the church congregation was hungry for that. It was such a privilege to be part of that, and this kind of reminds me of that as Paul says, I remember, I have so much joy in remembrance of the early days whenever you were coming to faith in the Lord and you were going out and sharing the gospel with other people and how God was moving and how God was working. But it also, um, as I'm bringing this up because it also was the first time I became aware of First Baptist Church. Um, I heard about this church up in northern Indiana called First Baptist Church led by Dan Gillette, the pastor Dan Gillette, this young, vibrant pastor that was passionate about the gospel. The reason I heard about it and we knew so much about it is because there was a fierce competition between Bethesda Baptist Church and First Baptist Church, okay? And it was a very healthy thing, but they were like... First Baptist Church, I don't know who would start it. You know, who the, it was the chicken or the egg. I don't know what was going on, but somebody would start and say, we're, gonna, we're having a Sunday school contest, and we're, we're setting the goal for this many people in attendance, and it's pack a pew Sunday. And the other church is like, uh-uh, you're not gonna beat us. We're gonna do the same thing on the same Sunday, and we're gonna outdo you guys. And they were having this competition, all kinds of stuff like that. Bus ministry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. Um, we heard about this amazing bus ministry that was going on up here, and, and Bethesda Baptist Church had a bus ministry also. I used to drive those buses. I used to go visitation on Saturday mornings and go gather the kids. We gathered all kinds of kids from the west side of Indianapolis and brought them into church on Sunday morning, and there were these big Sunday school um, uh, bus ministry contests that we were involved in together. Um, there were all kinds of stuff that was going on like that, and it was very friendly. It was very awesome. There was huge respect between Pastor Don Tyler, the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church, and Pastor um, Dan Gillette of First Baptist. Great days, awesome days. During that time, um, First Baptist had the vision for a school and built the school. There was such a camaraderie between the churches that um, Bethesda did a study on Christian schooling also during the same time, came up here, and Dan Gillette and the whole pastoral team here and the leadership here opened up their hearts to the leadership of Bethesda Baptist Church and said, this is what we believe is happening. This is what we believe God is into. This is what we want to do. And so though they had already built their building here, they, Dan Gillette actually gave all of the plans of the school um, to the pastor at Bethesda Baptist Church. And if you go down to Bethesda Baptist Church today in Brownsburg, Indiana, their school is a mirror image of our school. It's the exact same building because they had, they shared the same heart of ministry. I tell you all that to say that I can, I can, I have the same thing in my heart that Paul had in his heart for the Philippians. He had the same the same thing in his heart of joy of the, seeing the work that God has done in the ministry 
And I have the same joy in my heart as well. All the way back to 1985, I can remember the work that God was doing in that church and the work that God has been doing in First Baptist Church. And I was so impressed. I remember. Remember those days, babe? I remember being so impressed with the ministry that God was doing up here in northern Indiana at First Baptist Church. That was in the heart of Paul as he says, I thank God for every time I remember you. Here's a picture of Dan Gillette. Um, during those days, this is him. He actually served this church for 18 years, from 1968 to 1986. We actually, um, we were hoping he would be here today. We invited him to be part of this so that we could recognize him and thank him for the foundation that um, he was part of laying here at First Baptist Church. And um, his health is not allowing him to get out much these days, and so he was not able to be here. He sends his greetings through his son, Phil, he and Sharon. And um, we're just so thankful for him and all of the pastors that have served this church. This church is 163 years old. Did you know that? And I'm number 32. I'm the 32nd lead pastor in all of those years. But how awesome is it for a guy like me who doesn't really know much about how to pastor a church to be able to um, benefit from and build upon the strong foundation that men like Dan Gillette, the men like John Blodgett, um, and others that built this foundation for us that we're building upon um, today. Which is Paul's next thing that he wants to tell us in this, in this and wants to tell them that he, he has joy in the partnership Look at verse four and verse five of Philippians chapter one. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was thrilled with the privilege of being part of God's church. Well, Paul was a church planter. Paul and Silas would go into all of these communities, these people that had never heard the gospel before, and they would bring people to Jesus, start a church, and then they would raise up elders to watch over those churches, and they would go to the next place and start another church. And he loved to be part of what was going on in the church, and especially here at Philippi, because apparently they were continuing the work of the gospel. Did you see that? I pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They were continuing in the work of the advancement of the kingdom through the gospel from the time they heard and received the, the message of salvation of the gospel from Paul until the time of this writing, I told you it was like 10 or 11 years later. He was rejoicing in the partnership of the advancement of the gospel through the world. Let me now, once again, only one more time, I'm gonna go back and reminisce a little bit. Because in 1995, God actually opened a door of opportunity for Robin and I to be able to come and partner with the ministry of First Baptist Church. We had heard about it. We had enjoyed hearing about the things that God had been doing, and we had the joy of remembrance in our hearts about all that God is doing here at First Baptist. But when 1995 came, we were actually invited to come here and be part of it. I became the minister of music, the, past, the worship pastor here um, at that time underneath the ministry of John Blodgett. So John and Colleen Blodgett are now ministering as the lead pastor and wife here at the church. And John calls me up, and we were in a situation in Indianapolis that was not good. The church was imploding. John had heard about it, and he gave me a call, and he said, Phil, come on up here. And I said, well, John, things aren't going well down here, and we're a little beat up. And this is classic John Blodgett. John's one of the best, the best shepherds, best pastors, shepherding pastors I've ever sat underneath. And John looked at me, and he said, Phil, we're not perfect up here. But he said, um, come on up here and let us love on you and your family. And come join us in the work. And you guys, what a privilege it is that like almost 28 years ago, we have had the pleasure of starting and continuing a partnership with this church. And what I love about this place and what I um, had an admiration in my heart for because of hearing about it now actually understanding it because I'm part of it and I'm actually immersed in it is your passion for God and his word. You guys, there is, there is something very special here when you come to church with your Bibles 
And whenever it's time to open the word, first of all, you sing with all your heart and with all your might to the Lord. But then when we open the word, you, I could tell you're, you're hungry for it. And you're sitting on the edge of your seats and you got your pens and pencils out and you're ready to go and you're ready to, to hear from God and to apply God's truth to your lives. But I also love the fact that we can participate in things like season of generosity. But you guys know we do that all year long, right? We are involved in mission work all over the world all year long, but I love that we get to partner together for the advancement of the kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all about, our mission is to equip believers. You and I are being equipped to love God more with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love each other and then influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I too rejoice in the partnership that we have together, just like Paul rejoiced in the partnership he had with those in Philippi. But here's the next thing that we wanna look at is the joy of anticipation. I'm gonna let you write that down because I want you to then look at me. It's good to rejoice in the past. It's good to remember and reflect. But we can't stay there. Um, remember the glory days people talk about, you know, remember the glory days? Okay, there, every organization, every ministry, every family has the glory days. But it is not good for people, the people of God, to just sit back and remember the past. We need to remember and reflect and rejoice like Paul is doing in the ministry, in the remembrance. We need to be filled with joy in the partnership, but we need to be filled with joy for the anticipation because the best is yet to come. Now you have to believe that because the Bible, I'm gonna show you that the Bible tells us that. You know, I don't know what brings... Um, Let's, let's read verse six real quick, Philippians 1, 6. I am confident of this, Paul says. Actually, he, he, you, could, you could read it like this, and your Bible might say it like this. I am sure of this. What it means is, I am, I am absolutely sure of what I am about to say to you. That he, God, he's talking about, God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion or to perfection is what it literally means until the day of Christ Jesus. You want to know what brings real joy to a pastor's heart? You want to know? Okay. The fact that his church is filled with perfect people. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's what Paul is saying here, that there's a work that has happened in you, and you guys are perfect now, and it brings me so much joy because there's no conflict, there are no issues, there are no problems, everyone's living in perfect peace, perfect harmony, perfect unity within the church because they don't sin anymore. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, the pastors that say, you know, ministry would be awesome if it weren't for the people. Ministry is awesome because it's ministry. And God ministering in the hearts of God's people. <laughs> We're broken people. And I don't wanna like put a downer on anything right now, but I am, I'm going to for just a second here, okay? Because you know, if you focus too much on what we are today, we're not complete yet. We're not perfected yet. That perfection and that glorification is coming. But we're in the process of sanctification right now. We're in the process of doing our best, right? Uh, doing our best to put off the old and put on the new. To put off the ways of our old nature. But we still have that pull of the world, we still have that pull of our, of our sinful nature, but we're trying with our best, right, to put all that off and put on righteousness and produce fruit of righteousness in our lives. But the fact is, we're still a bunch of broken, messed up sinners that are saved by grace, doing our best. And if we will like Paul, because guaranteed the Philippians had issues. They were a bunch of pagans. They didn't even know anything of the gospel. They didn't, they didn't grow up in Sunday school and then come to Jesus. They knew nothing of God. They knew nothing of a life with God. And now they're gloriously saved by the gospel and guaranteed, like many of us, whenever we come to Jesus, we don't have a clue what we're doing. 
We just know I was lost and now I'm found. Now, because I have the Holy Spirit, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I feel bad when I'm doing things wrong that I'm not supposed to be doing. I'm trying to figure it out, right? That's That's where we're all at in the church. But you can't focus on that part, the part that we're broken, or you'll get discouraged. If we're like Paul, and we'll focus on what God is doing in our hearts and focus on what we are going to be, then you can get pretty excited about that. Paul's confidence in what God is doing, the work that God is doing, pulls him into the future, and he doesn't sit in the past. I am absolutely sure of this, Paul says, that God began a good work in you, and he will be faithful and will complete the work that he started. Okay, so let me take a little, just a little break, a little parenthesis in all of this because I want to, I want to make sure you understand a fundamental doctrine on sanctification, salvation and sanctification and glorification. It's very important to remember that the work that is done in us at salvation and the work that is done in us and through us in sanctification, and all that sanctification is our, our process of setting ourselves apart from the world and unto God, becoming more like Christ, putting on the things of righteousness. And all of that, the work of God in salvation and the work in sanctification is all a work of God and it is not a work of your own. Some of you have a little bit of puzzled look on your face about that, okay? But this is a fundamental doctrine that you need to understand. Philippians 2.13. Look at it on the screen with me. Or you can just turn a page over in your Bible and look at it. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see that? So God is at work, and Paul is saying in Philippians 1, 6, I am confident that God who began a good work in you, so at salvation, God is doing a work in you. You do know that no one, the Bible says, Jesus Jesus actually said, no one could come to the Father on their own. The Holy Spirit has to draw you. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they were talking to a loved one of theirs, and the loved one started asking questions about Christ, asking questions about eternity, asking questions about heaven. And I said to, our, to my brother, I said, you need to understand something. The Holy Spirit is at work in that person because that person will not ask questions of spiritual nature. That, that person will not be inquisitive about God and the gospel and eternity unless the Holy Spirit puts that in their hearts to ask. So you better lean into that conversation because the Holy Spirit is at work in that person and it might be that they're so close to salvation that you can taste it and you can feel it. But there is a work that is done in us in salvation that is the work of God. And the work that is going on in sanctification, you think, well, all I gotta do is pull up my bootstraps, all I gotta do is try harder, all I gotta do, I can do this thing of righteousness. No, you cannot. Anybody wanna testify and agree with me that I can't do it? Five people. You, listen to me, listen to me. How many times have you screwed up this week? Okay, how many times have you gone to the Lord this week and said, I don't know why you don't just strike me dead right now because this is like the 3,000th time I have come and asked you to forgive me for doing this thing that I did again. What's wrong with me? Paul, Paul, what a wretched man I am. What is wrong with me? You're human, Paul. You're not... The work that God started in you at salvation isn't complete yet. You're still working through it. You're still going. There is coming a day of glorification. But God will make that happen also. Listen to that verse again in Philippians 2.13. God is at work in you. And let me jump, okay? And he's giving you the power to do what pleases him. Outside the power of God, you can't do what pleases him. It's the power of God through the Holy Spirit in your life. But listen to me. Even the desire you have to serve God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is given to you by God. 
You get it? Do you understand it? Are you, are you hearing me? It's not me. Are you hearing the word? John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see who gave us the right? You see who did the work? Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is all of God. Sanctification is all of God. Glorification is all of God. Well, what's the part we play, Phil? Are we just a bunch of puppets? No, you're not a bunch of puppets. He has given you a will. And you have to submit your will to him. And you have to say, Lord, I am broken. And I'm messed up. And you know that. But I give myself to you. Work in me. Do the work in me. And then complete your work in me. Paul actually said this to another church in Thessalonica. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful, watch this, that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. That's so cool. How would would you like it to be on the sign of your church? You know, we were the first. When they took the gospel to the ends of the earth, they were the first that God chose them to be. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy through your belief in the truth. And he called you to salvation when we told you the good news. This and other passages like it all over the Bible make it clear that God chose you, God called you, and through the Holy Spirit, God gave you faith to believe in a heart of repentance. God saves us. He washes our sins away. He forgives us. He remembers our sins against us no more. He declares us righteous. And even though Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 is the key verse in a discussion about eternal security because it's saying that God started a work of salvation in you and he will be faithful and he will bring you to salvation. He'll bring you to glorification. It's a verse on that. It goes even further. And Paul's point is that he is absolutely convinced that the God who saved you, the God who started the work in you, will be faithful not only in holding your salvation all the way to the end, but also he'll be supervising and superintending the sanctification process while you're still living on the earth. Romans 8 tells us that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purposes, and his goal is this, that you would be conformed to the image of his son. And he says that he will someday bring us to glorification on the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says this, I may be suffering in prison, but I am not ashamed. For 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted unto him until the day of his return. I can get really excited about that, you guys. It's the joy of anticipation. We can and we should rejoice and remember all that God has done in the ministry, in this ministry of the past, and what he's doing in the ministry here. But friends, I believe we can apply the truth of Philippians 1.6 to the work that God has begun and the work that God will continue to do in and through this church and all of its ministries. Pastor Gillette said this in the video, and it's still classic Pastor, John, Pastor Dan Gillette. I could just hear it in him because I know him so well. When he said this, he says, we were sure that if we were going to start it, We were going to start it right and then do our best to keep it going. And that's what God wants from us. God wants us to see where he is at work and join him in the work and do our best and be as faithful as we can. But it's not upon us. Thank God it's not up to us to maintain the ministries of First Baptist Church. It is God who is at work and God has always been at work And he will still work in his church. His church, my friends, hear me, is alive and well. And I, like Paul, am absolutely confident that God will continue this work, using this work, accomplishing all that he has in his mind and his will to accomplish in and through us here until he returns to take us home. So hang on. I love that song. If I'm not dead... He's not done. (laughs) Greater things are still to come. We can believe it because 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined, even imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to me. That verse is more relevant today and more true today than it was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote it. 
I have four minutes. Do you have one more in you? Because there's one more joy I wanna share with you. It's the joy of intimacy. I just wanna say that I and every pastor, um, I have the privilege of being the 32nd lead pastor of First Baptist Church. But every pastor that has gone before me and every associate pastor that has served this church wishes that we had been able to write these words to you because the words that I'm about to read you that were out of the heart of Paul to the people at Philippi come straight out of the hearts of your pastors and they are this. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment. Hey, can we just leave that part out? <laughs> I know some of you are like, Phil, you just keep preaching the word and you just keep preaching strong and if they throw you in jail, we'll come and visit you and we'll bring you ding-dongs and carrot cake. <laughs> we will support you. We will support you. We'll be and let's leave that part out. Let me read it again, okay, without that part. It says, you share with me the special favor of God, skip that part, in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. And we will be true to that till we die, right? God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassions of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God, which is the focus of all of our ministries here. We celebrate 50 years of Elkhart Christian Academy, Elkhart Baptist Christian School. We celebrate all that God has done. And it's good to celebrate that. We could celebrate, we could spend time every Sunday celebrating a different aspect of the ministry here that God has begun in us. We can be confident in knowing that the best is yet to come. Greater things are still to come. And he wants to do it for his honor, for his glory, through broken people like us who just submit our hearts to him. We are committed to that, amen? We're committed to giving him all of what we have and all of this ministry and give him all totally surrendered to his will and what he wants to do in and through us. Let's stand together and let me pray for that and commit once again to the Lord. Father, we love you so much and we're grateful for the ministry that started 163 years ago. And what's amazing, Lord, is that all we have to do is keep Christ at the center, keep your word as our foundation, and keep preaching the gospel and you will continue to bless this ministry. We ask you for your blessing. We ask you as we look to the future and the uncertainty, the amazing uncertainty of the future, that you will make it clear to us. Give us incredible wisdom and clarity as we walk into the future on how you want to use us in the very unique times in which we live. Strengthen us in that. Expand our borders. Increase our love for each other and our love for you, and help us influence our world with your gospel. And we promise to be faithful to that until you come back to receive us unto yourself. We love you, Father. As we reminisce today on the work that you've done, we can't help but go back to the time when you visited us in our hearts and in our minds with the truth of the gospel. And you revealed to us that we were sinners in need of a savior. And you put in our hearts the conviction and the humility to repent of our sins and receive you and your salvation and the gift of your salvation. And when we turned our lives over to you to be the Lord of our lives, we rejoice in that work. While I'm praying here, I just feel like I need to say, if you don't know the Lord yet and you have not given your heart to him 
Today would be a really good day to do that. And we would love to rejoice in that with you and share that gospel message with you so that you could know that you are in Christ and that you could be saved from your sins. I would encourage you and invite you to come talk to someone here. Talk to me, talk to one of our prayer team members. If you're visiting online with us and you're joining us online, you can reach out to our prayer team right now if you need Jesus. We wanna help you with that. But Lord, here we are. We're just a bunch of broken people. So grateful that we have your love and so grateful that we have your Holy Spirit working in us. Powerfully use us as we go out of this place. We're grateful to you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. Share some love on the way out, okay? We'll see you next time.